Hey, it's Farah, and you're listening to my episode on Pop Nerd Lounge. Welcome to Pop Nerd Lounge, the show where we share the stories of creatives to inspire fellow creatives. I'm your host, Steph Pham. Vara is a 19-year-old alternative pop artist from Florida whose lyrical content is almost entirely derived from their poems. Vara decided for their first original release, they wanted to get extremely personal and put out a song entirely about their struggle with mental health. To them, this song is about being stuck in your own head and suffering can sometimes be comforting because you've grown so used to not being okay. It's all you know. We talk about that song in particular titled Paranoia, We chat about their comfort film, and we also talk about growing up in the ever-constant world of social media. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Vara. Welcome to Popner Lounge. My guest today is Vara. Vara, thank you so much for being with me here today. Thank you for having me. Take me back to the beginning of your artist's journey. What do you consider the beginning of the road to you becoming an artist? I was five and I picked up the violin. That was my extracurricular throughout of my, all of my childhood. Um, and that really introduced me to the power of music. And obviously that was more classical music. And soon after that, I wanted to sing because I saw Hannah Montana on TV and I said, that's what I want to do with my life. And uh, I started singing operatically. That was how I began. And then I switched over to musical theater. And then after that, I went into pop music. So it was a long journey. And I'm actually really glad that I got to explore different types of singing and different types of genres because I think it makes me more well-rounded. And um, yeah, that was basically when I started. You mentioned some things there that I could completely relate to. First of all, I was a Disney Channel kid. I was growing up, I watched all those shows. My era was That's a Raven, Lizzie McGuire, Phil of the Future. That was my era. And anytime I would watch some of those shows, I'm like, I want to do that. And so I could completely, re- yeah. And Hannah Montana, I was probably too old whenever that came out, but I didn't care. I watched it anyway. I still watched Hannah Montana and Wizards of Waverly Place. The, those were my jams. But yeah, I could relate to watching those shows and being inspired by that because it just seemed so much fun. And you just seemed like you were living your life if you watched those shows. And being an orchestra kid, I was an orchestra kid. So mm-hmm. I completely but it's so band kids i'll say it we were better than band kids oh a hundred percent sorry band kids out there but a hundred percent a hundred percent it's such a bonding experience too whenever you join orchestra i don't know how how many kids like toughed it out from elementary to or middle school depending on where you started up until high school but if you were like one of those kids who like toughed it out all the way it's such a bonding experience because you guys literally became a group together and stuck it out throughout those years and so I definitely relate to being an orchestra kid for sure (laughs) and it's so yeah and and it's so cool to like hear that like it involved from classical music to musical theater to you doing pop music now and I I agree with you it it definitely helps you become well-rounded and Mm -hmm. definitely adapting to different styles and incorporating it into molding it into your own style so yeah I think that's pretty cool thank you yeah I agree (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to read a quote that for our listeners here because it made me smile and also I could again relate to what you were saying so this is from one of your interviews and the quote is I annoy the shit out of my parents with my god-awful practicing 
but it was all I wanted to do. And I completely relate to that. Again, like we were talking about, um, when kids are normally that age, they resist the mundane act of practicing. What motivated you to keep working on it? Um, when it came to violin, I had a Russian teacher who was very strict and very disciplined. And so she could tell if I hadn't practiced. So it was a very whiplash situation. No, I'm kidding. But it did teach me very early on that practicing wasn't something that I could ignore and something that I could put off. And the only way to get better is by practicing and working towards it. So when it came to singing, I kind of adapted that same mindset and your voice is a muscle and you have to use it and practice it and stretch it out and really just strengthen it. So that was what my motivation for singing practicing was but my parents obviously toughed it out the first few years so no i i again like oh my gosh i feel like i'm listening to my own story whenever i hear you speaking because i definitely remember those days especially the early years whenever you start learning a musical or creative skill and you just you're like okay i know i'm gonna suck for these first couple of years or however Mm -hmm. long it is but just getting through that and consistently working yeah. is the payoff. And it's like exactly what you said. It's a, it's a muscle. You have to continuously work, work on it. And I think no matter what age you become a creative, that's something that you learn. It's a learning curve that you have to continually work, work on your craft or else, you know, without the work, there's not going to be a big payoff in the end, right. whether right. you're like a you know, singer, actor, whatever you choose to do. So I think it's a good, a, a good message to put out there. Yeah, I think it's really easy for people to look at others, especially musicians, make it look so easy and pick it up and be really discouraged when you aren't suddenly amazing at it the first time you pick it up. But if you can get through the first hurdle of like, okay, I'm not going to be Liberace the first time I pick up the piano or whatever, it's okay, I'll get through it, then, you know, it really does start to pay off. Before you were a solo artist, you created content on YouTube. How did growing up in this age of infinite social platforms influence you as an artist? It definitely taught me a lot about the importance of social media. Obviously, I was an influencer in that sense, but even in the artist realm and the music realm, social media nowadays is everything. It doesn't matter how good your music is. If you don't market it the correct way, if you don't have the right audience, there's just so much more that goes into it than let's say 20, 30 years ago. So it gave me a lot of helpful skills for that in that sense when it came to music. Um, And it also taught me a lot because I was really young. I was 13 about being careful about your digital footprint and what you say and how you act and just how the internet is forever. And that's a scary thought for me. I still get scared about that, but it definitely did teach me to be careful. I get a little little scared about that as well. The whole internet is for everything because I don't know about you. I think I've mentioned it on this show a couple of times. So my listener might you know, they might have already, but I'll go back into those Facebook memories or people visit time hop when they see their old tweets or Instagram posts or whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, what was insert age here? Stephanie thinking when she put that out on social media, like, oh my gosh, keep it to yourself. Um, But yeah, it, it really does haunt you. But at the same time, it's, it's a good reminder that the internet is forever. And what you say, what you put out there can be used against you in the future so yeah just got to be yeah you got to be careful about what you say what you do and what you put out there because people do pay attention 
whether we realize it or not, because like we think like, oh, you know, I only have X amount of followers. Nobody's going to like pay attention to that. They do. (laughs) They most definitely do. Kind of relating to that, what helps you understand your audience better through social media? Um, I'm chronically online. I'm literally on TikTok 24-7. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. So I'm always ingesting content and consuming content from people who I hope to be my audience. Um, And I'm also kind of an audience member myself. Like I make music that I want to listen to and my friends like it too. I think being the generation that kind of like made social media what it is because that's how we grew up from like our middle teeny teen years to now. I think I have a pretty good grasp of like what kind of humor my audience would have and just like what kind of music they like and what's popular and just kind of our tastes and media and pop culture. So I think just my experience through being a consumer and being of the generation that is chronically online, it has taught me a lot about what I should be doing as an artist or what would be more successful. Does that in hand have an effect on what you create? Because I know that artists, they they do things based off life experiences or what inspires them. But also I got to, I got to imagine that like what you pay attention to and what you are listening to through your audience online. And when you guys connect via social media, that does have an influence on your music, I'm assuming. Yes. There's definitely a pressure to create TikTok viral songs because that's what really sells nowadays. And that's what goes platinum. And that, you know, that's what really like builds artists now, but I try to be as close to what I would want to listen to in the car and what I would want to listen to on a plane when I'm taking off as I possibly can. Obviously, there's a pressure to make TikTok songs and TikTok viral audios, which is so fun. Like, that's a fun day in the studio. But I really focus on personal experiences and turning what I want to talk about into a piece of art. So finding the middle ground, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I, I, I feel like that's a good way to put it, the whole finding a middle ground, because as much as we want to listen to what is popular or what is trending or what's going viral out there, I think it's absolutely important to remember. And I've said this several times on the show, but to remember that you are your consumer of your art as well. Not only do you have an audience, but you are a part of the audience that is consuming what you create. And so you have to enjoy it and you have to be the one that's like, oh, I want to make something that I will listen to. So yeah, absolutely. That's such a good reminder for creatives out there. So speaking of your music, let's talk about your song, Paranoia. To you, what is your definition of paranoia? Paranoia, my definition of it? Um, My best friend's a psychology major, so I could give you the very like Webster's Dictionary (laughs) depiction of it, but... I would say through my lived experience, it's just your eyes deceiving you and every every sensation that you have just alluding to a truth that no one else would identify as the truth and just feeling incredibly isolated and like nobody, you could try to tell them what you're experiencing and how you feel, but you just know that they wouldn't get it because either you feel like you sound crazy or that they just wouldn't get it. So it's like a very isolating experience in my experience. No, totally. Because I, I've felt that before too. There would be some things where I keep to myself because I'm afraid that people will 
judge what what I'm thinking or what I'm saying. And they're like, oh, you know, she's just being in her little love boy obsessive phase or she you know she's just acting crazy or whatever and so I will have those moments where I'm afraid to share what's on my mind because of that and so yeah you're right it can be isolating Mm -hmm. on that note tell me the inspiration behind the record was it based off life experiences or like were you imagining this through somebody else's eyes because you you paired a really great visual with that, which we'll be talking about in a little bit. But yeah, tell me the inspiration behind the record. Um, it was a little bit more on the personal side. I, it wasn't in the moment. I, w- I didn't walk into the studio like, man, I'm so paranoid right now. It was just more so a lot of my songs actually are derived from poems that I've written in the past. So a few months prior, I had been going through a really bad mental health space and uh, had just been self-isolating for a wh- like a while and... I dug up one of the poems I wrote during my depression spree, and um, when I walked in the studio, it, it wrote. It was written very fast. It came together. It was one of those things that you know you write in ten minutes. So, and that's always the best feeling. Um, but it was very personal and lived through my experience. There are some parts that I kind of not necessarily exaggerated, but more so took inspiration from other people's perspectives too but most of it was directly from my experience now this is a very intimate i I consider the song a very intimate portrait of mental health struggles like you mentioned and you touched on in your last answer what's something that affects the mental health of artists and creatives that you wish others understood like non-creatives what what do you wish that they would understand about the effects of our mental health when we when we're artists and creatives yeah i think i think the biggest toll that i've had in my experience is just being very personal with you know our art and then people that you have never met before having opinions on it, which is obviously it comes with the territory. But I think artists are typically pretty sensitive people and do we wane and we moan and having a lot of opinions on our art can be amazing and it can also be hurtful. But I think just being self-assured and being confident in what you put out and conscientious of like the uh, impact you're leaving, it does help a lot. But of course, we're all human and we're all people, we're all people that have feelings and they're easy to get hurt in my case. <laughs> I think that's something to really note on because we've all experienced somebody making some kind of snide remark or some kind of remark that wasn't too kind to us online. But as as artists, when it's our work that we're putting out there, there is another layer to it. Yeah. You know, it's like a peeling back another layer of the onion Shrek reference right there. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it really does take... Especially when you magnify that and it like a lot of comments come through, I think it does take a hit on our mental health. And that I've actually had experience with that where I had to take something down because there was so much vitriol and so much hate comments coming through. And so I was like, okay, you know what, for my sanity and for my mental health, this is, <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I'm putting a gate and I'm putting a boundary there, yeah. which is something 
it could be a good learning lesson to set set boundaries and to learn like, okay, you know, that's somebody on the other keyboard, the other side of the keyboard that I don't know. And so it's good to place that boundary, but you're right. Like it is a big part of what affects our mental health as creatives. Mm-hmm. And it is something that I wish non-creatives understood. You're right. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Solidarity. <laughs> so it, it wasn't too long ago from the time that we're recording this, but if you could go back to January 1st, 2023, and tell, your piece, you tell yourself a piece of advice, what would it be? Don't set super high expectations for the year. I feel like this year is a pretty chill year, and um, music is one of those careers that isn't necessarily linear with progress and movement, and... I have a lot of very exciting things up and planned for this year, but I just feel like the vibes for this year, when I walked into January, I was like, oh, this is going to be so good. This is going to be a girl boss slay year. And now I'm just kind of like, we're here and we're doing the work and we're having fun while we're doing it, but we're not like trying to take over the world at the moment, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know I'm with you. I'm with you. Whenever it was December going into January, I had the mindset of, yeah, I'm like, I'm going to slay it. I'm going to kill it, which I still do. I still have that mindset that we're all going to kill this year. We're all, it's going to be a great year for all of us. But at the same time, I was very much on the vibe with you that we're going to let the universe handle its business. It's going to be what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And having that mindset and manifesting positivity and like knowing that whatever is meant for you is meant for you is such a good mindset to set out for the year. And you're right, like managing expectations, because I feel like whenever the year starts out, we all have like these lofty goals. We're like, I'm going to have all these resolutions. I'm going to slay the year. And if it doesn't happen, we all feel like we've missed a mark, but that's not the case at all you regardless if you know you were successful or not trying that's a success in itself yeah exactly so. period amen what yes yes <laughs> you brought up something in an interview that was important that i thought it was important and it was trusting your guts so why is quieting those voices mm-hmm. so important and why is it important to trust your gut In this industry, I think your gut is the best instrument you have. It's the best weapon that you have. I didn't really know when I was going in that there were going to be so many voices shouting what you should do, what you have to be doing, what your next move should be, you shouldn't be doing this, you know. So there's a lot of more business involved that I didn't know when I first got into it. And now with social media taking over and being the striving force for what artists should be doing and kind of like a, a model they should follow, um, I think at the end of the day, you're the artist and this is your work and this is your name. And I think it kind of defeats the purpose of art to have a bunch of people who aren't artists telling you what you should be making. Um, the opinions are still great to have and everybody's supposed to have their own interpretations and that's amazing, but I think the kind of art somebody should be, should be making should be up to the artist. So I think trusting your gut has been something that I need to constantly remind myself of because sometimes I can be a people pleaser. So I have to kind of dial it back a little bit and be like, okay, I'm glad I know their perspective. But in my opinion, because I'm the one that has to put this out, I think I should be doing this instead. So 
Oof, man. I hope people took that down and wrote that down because I, oof, man, I myself am also a people pleaser. And so I can, I can relate on how, you know, in this industry, you're right. Like there's so many voices from every which angle Mm -hmm. and it's important to remind ourselves that you're right. We are the artists. We should have a stake and a say and probably a big stake and say on what we create and what we put out. And so, amen, girl, I'm just going to leave it at that. That is, you said it perfectly. Mm, mm, mm. (laughs) On a scale of one to 10, 10 being a hell yes. How much did you enjoy touring with the Backstreet Boys? Ooh, I would definitely say around an eight. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was amazing to see all of these new cities. Actually, you know what? I'm going to say a nine. I changed my mind. A nine. Um, I got to see a lot of parts of the United States that I hadn't seen before, which was awesome. And then meeting so many people and and also performing in front of like 10 to 20,000 people a night would be very scary for a lot of folk. But for me, I was like, I don't know. It was a lot of fun. It was I was living my dream and also being able to see a show put on on such a big big arena and just in such a big way I had no idea how much work really goes on behind the scenes how much crew goes behind it and just how much time effort and energy and money goes into shows like that so it definitely taught me a lot it was a huge learning experience the boys were all very very nice and great to work with and um it was a great experience only thing I I knocked it down a point for is just like that's not my typical audience so amazing people Everyone loved the shows. I had a great time and met so many people afterwards. But typically, my audience isn't in that range. So that was the only reason. Yeah. Well, here's to manifesting that you're going to be headlining your own arena tours with your own audience and just slaying your own tours. Like, come on. Come on. We're going to speak it into the universe. Yeah. There. Right there. <laughs> You consider yourself a film bro. What is your comfort movie? Oh my gosh. It's not really comfort, but it's the one that brings me the most comfort. Like, I don't think objectively I'd recommend this to somebody else and say, oh, this is a comfort movie. But for me, it is. The Perks of Being a Wallflower has just always been that for me. I don't know why. I also love like the Disney animation and Pixar movies, but like like a, a non-animation, it's going to be The Perks of Being a Wallflower. You know, I haven't actually seen that movie, but I've always wanted to. And so you have just given me my next film recommendation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I will definitely have to check it out because it's, it's always been a film that I wanted to see. Yes. So I it's will very, definitely... It's very 2012. It's, I mean, it was Emma Watson as soon as she finished all of the Harry Potter movies and she has a pixie cut in the movie. So I'm like, okay, hair and spo, like... It's just, it's really good, and it's shot on film, and the soundtrack is amazing. That's one of my favorite parts, and it's written so well. And the director was actually the author of the book because it was originally a book, and I think that was why the adaptation worked so well is because they had the person who actually wrote it there to make sure that it was done correctly. So I I think you'll like it. You have to get back to me and let me know what you think. Oh, absolutely. I I love films, and so I will definitely have to check it out, and I will get back to you, and we will discuss yes. the film after my viewing, because it's always been a film that I wanted to see, and just the whole coming-of-age story, and I could probably sit there and go, oh my god, I went through that. So yeah, I will definitely have to check it out, and I will let you know my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> 
My last question for you is why are you a creative? That's a very good question. Um, I would just have to say that I think all humans have like unique stories to tell and experiences that they should be able to share with the world. And a lot of people don't have the outlet to do that or they don't have the privilege to be able to devote their lives to that. And I think it's just a it's just a game of luck and chance. And I think if most people didn't have to deal with putting food on the table and monetary value and jobs and responsibilities, most people would go towards the arts. And um, I think it says a lot about humans and how they really feel inside their souls and what you know they would really truly be happy doing. And so I think personally, I in my teen years during the pandemic, I like took a very hard long look at like what the rest of my life would look like and how I want to go out out of this world and how I would feel the happiest leaving it. And I think doing this was the only thing I could come up with that would actually make me feel okay. So. Wow, that was such an articulate response and I absolutely adored it. And you're right, like I think people would be drawn to the arts if it wasn't a matter of stability and which is one of the biggest hangups that we have as creatives but you know we do it because we love it that's yeah. the reason why we do it we do it because we love it and it, you're right it's about leaving this world a better place and hopefully having an impact on the world with what we create and so thank you thank you so much for that answer right. I, I love that question I, that's such a good question it's like why are we doing this no a hundred percent and Everybody has given such a different answer, and I just appreciate everybody's little nugget of wisdom that they put into it because we all are here for a different reason, and we all have a different purpose for being a creative, but I love the fact that the thing that unites us, even though you know we all have different reasons for doing it, is because we want to leave some kind of impact in the world and let people know that they're not alone. I think that was one of the major things, like common threads that I found throughout all these talks that I've had is that people want to know that you know I'm I'm an artist or I'm a dreamer I'm and they want to know that they're not alone so thank you thank you for what you do of course <laughs> so sweet that well, made my day <laughs> well Vara it's been such an amazing chat with you I've had such a great time this has been like talking to a friend that I've known for a long time so thank you for your time and your energy I'm going to turn the floor over to you and you can tell our listener where to find your music and where they can check you out on social media well thank you so much I've had an amazing time it's been great I love chats like this it makes my heart full and I appreciate it a lot okay so hi if you didn't know who I was already my name is Vara I'm a singer-songwriter you can find my music on Spotify, Apple Music, all the different streaming platforms that exist. And um, it's just under Vara, all lower cases, no last name because I'm cool like that. My Instagram is Varagiana, G-I-A-N-N-A. And yeah, that's basically it. Thank you so much for having me. It means a lot. Thanks to Vara for being this week's guest. If you want to learn more about Vara, visit the links in the show notes. Popner Lounge is executively produced by Vico and Steph Pham. Vico serves as the creative director and Steph Pham is the host and editor. To find out more information about Popner Lounge, visit our website, popnerlounge.com. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you join us next time for another conversation with a fellow creative. I'm your host, Steph Pham. <laughs>